We're continuing our midweek series on relationships. And whether it's marriage, kids, friendships, or dating, we all know this, that at times, relationships, they can be complicated. And so tonight, I thought that I'd share a message that I've titled, hashtag, the struggle is real. Because we all know that relationships can sometimes be complicated. So tonight, it's hashtag, the struggle is real. And I'm thankful that God has given us a roadmap. I'm thankful that God has given us a blueprint when it comes to relationships. It wouldn't be relationships series if we didn't get down to the word love. And it wouldn't be love if we didn't turn to the famous passage of scripture found in 1 Corinthians 13. And so if you want, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn in your Bible or click your way through your Bible app to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to be in verses 4 through 8. You can follow along on the screens or on your Westover app. However you choose, make your way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to hang out here for a little bit. Now Paul writes this portion of scripture as a letter. It's a letter to the church in Corinth. And I can promise you that the day that Paul sat down pen to paper, he didn't have in mind that, that these verses were going to be memorized for generations. You see, he didn't understand and he didn't realize the impact that these few verses were going to be read at weddings. They were going to be printed on greeting cards. They were going to be famously referred to as the love passage. But today I'm going to share from both the NIV and the message version. I'm sure you're more familiar with the NIV, but don't worry. Hang with me. It's all going to come together in the end. So we're going to start with the NIV. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does no dishonor to others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now we're going to jump over to the message version. If you're unfamiliar with that, what the message version has done is they've taken the NIV and they've translated it into a modern contemporary language. And so this is what it says. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle and it keeps no it keep it doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Trust God always, always look for the best, never look back, but keep going until the end. Love never dies. Like I said earlier, we've all read this passage of scripture, and even if you haven't read it, I'm pretty sure that chances are if you've ever attended a wedding, you've heard this passage quoted before. The minister reads it out loud, and the bride and the groom, and everyone in their wedding party, and everyone in attendance listens, and then we continue on with the ceremony. We hear it. We listen, and it's almost as if we just put a little check, like, got it, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm always going to be patient. I'm always going to be kind. I'm always going to be so selfless. 
I'm such an angel. And that's how we think that we're going to start into marriage. We start in thinking, oh, I got this. I checked that off. I, I heard the minister and I nodded my head and I said I do. But what happens whenever the husband is waiting in the car and the wife can't get her eyebrows on the right way and so they're, they're, she's having to start over and over and over and you're already running late. At that moment, patience has left the building. Or, or, or maybe whenever you become a parent and you're looking at this newborn baby baby and you're thinking, oh my goodness, seven pounds, 11 ounces of pure joy, bliss sent down from heaven above my little newborn angel baby. And all of a sudden you fast forward two years later and you're looking at this little monster and you're like, why are you screaming? You're like, for the love of all things, just stop. Is it bedtime? Is it nap time? I don't care. Please just stop screaming. And something happens whether you're dealing with toddlers or teenagers, there's times where patience and kindness have left the building. And I don't know about you, but it could be that very moment on another morning whenever someone squeezes the toothpaste from the middle of the tube and not from the end of the tube and World War III breaks out. This would never happen in my home. This never happens in my home. But it's on instances like this that we're minded, hashtag the struggle is real. Relationships can be hard. But I believe that God has given us a map. Tonight I'm going to refer to it as the blueprint to successful relationships. And this is what I've come to learn. That successful doesn't always mean smooth sailing. Now I am in no way implying that I am a relationship expert. <laughs> okay? Look, don't get it twisted. I've only been married for almost 11 years. So I'm not an expert. But this is what I have come to know. That I myself alone, all by myself, just Lindsay, I know nothing about marriage and relationships. But God, but God has given me everything that I need to know to have successful relationships. God has given me everything that I need to know to be a good friend. God has given me everything I need to know to be a good daughter, to be a good parent. God has given me everything I need to know to have a successful marriage, a marriage filled with mutual honor and security. Jimmy Evans is one, probably one of the most influential marriage experts in the church today. He founded and oversees one of the largest marriage ministries in the nation. He's an incredible teacher when it comes to marriage and relationships. And he made this statement recently. He said, marriage is the safest relationship on earth when God's laws of love are honored. So I'm going to say that one more time. He said, marriage is the safest relationship on earth when God's laws of love are honored. And that's sometimes hard for people of my generation to grasp because we, we can't see that because that's not always the statistics that are laid out in front of us. But what I've come to understand is that marriage wasn't created by lawyers. Marriage wasn't created by ministers. Marriage wasn't created to be a tax incentive or something that should be debated. Marriage was created by Almighty God. You see, God created marriage in Genesis 2 and he created it. He came up with it. And we know that our God is good and that our God is faithful and that the characteristics of God never change. So if God was good then, then God is good today. And God's not going to create something that is intended to harm us. He created marriage to be the safest relationship, but it can only be that when we honor what God says about love. And he's given us the blueprint. And this is what I love about God's word. I love God's word. I love that it's timeless. I love that when God created marriage, he knew that I would be married 
in the 21st century. When God created marriage in Genesis 2, he breathed into Adam and Eve. He, he saw that man should not live alone, so he created a helpmate. He created Eve. He created the idea of marriage. And in that very moment, he was able in the sovereignty of God to look down the spans of time thousands of years later, looking at Adam and Eve, and he eventually knew that there was going to be a Lindsay and a David. He knew that in the 21st century, I was going to be in a marriage, and he still did it anyway. He knew that even though back then it looks a little bit different than it does now, that in the 21st century, God knew that there would be access to internet, the good and bad that all comes to it. God knew that there would be social media. He knew that there would be credit cards. He knew that my marriage would exist during a time when both men and women both have full-time careers. All these things are things that people say cause harm to a marriage, that these are the things that lead to problems in the marriage. But God knew. God knew, and God still created marriage. God knew that my marriage would exist during a time where we as society had become professional jugglers. Even back then, God knew that we were going to get to this moment in time. You may not know it, but we're all little clowns, little professional jugglers. That's what we've become. We're all expected to balance it all. We're expected to have a successful marriage. We're expected to have cute, well-mannered children that look perfect in every Instagram post. We're expected to check our emails daily. We're expected to check up on our friends on social media. We're expected to also do the dishes and the laundry and go to the grocery store, double-checking, making sure that there's no GMO because you don't want to poison the little happy, cute, well-mannered children. But really, in reality, all they want to eat is little dinosaur-shaped nuggets. And, and, and then on top of the dinosaur-shaped nuggets, you have to keep up with your extended family, and the list goes on and on. And we find ourselves being professional jugglers, and sometimes we find ourselves feeling like we just can't keep up. We find ourselves where we can't keep all the balls in the air and we're running out of hands. And sometimes, I, I don't know about you, but I just feel like I'm winging it. Like, phew, we made it to the end of another day. I was laughing because a couple of weeks ago I had some young adults over to my house. It was a Saturday night and they made the comment. We were all around the, my, the, the bar in my kitchen. And they, they made the statement, Pastor Lindsay, you just have it all together. Pastor Lindsay, like, you can just do it all. And I literally laughed. Like, I, I literally LOL'd in the moment. I laughed, and I had to set the record straight and say, y'all, I'm seriously winging it half the time. And God knew. God knew that there were going to be days where we make it to the end of the day, and you literally don't even know how you kept the little tiny humans alive. There's days where you made it through the end of the day, and you realize, oh, man, I don't even know, like, I don't even know how we made it through. God knew and he saw in his sovereignty, he was able to see across and, and recognize exactly what we would need to be successful. And he wrote it down for us. He handed us his laws. And if we choose to obey them, I believe that tonight we can declare that we can have successful relationships. But unfortunately, a lot of people in our culture today, they fear marriage. There's a tremendous fear when I'm talking to peers and I'm talking to, to young adults, there's a tremendous, a tremendous fear when it comes to marriage. In 1930, 83% of, of adults were married. Today, that number is 45%. Less than half adults in America are married. And it's devastating that marriage has gotten a bad name. It's been labeled outdated. It's been debated up and down both sides of the political aisle. It's been mocked in the media. And people have responded to marriage as something to be fearful. But we need to remember that God created marriage. It's not something to be feared. It's something to be understood. 
Marriage can be the safest relationship on earth when God's laws of love are honored. You see, laws create boundaries and boundaries create safety. Can you imagine what it would be like if we didn't have traffic laws? I mean, people are crazy with laws. Can you imagine driving down 1604 or 410 at 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon if there were no traffic laws without any boundaries? Mature believers who love the Lord with all their heart get into the car and just ultimately lose their salvation and are completely possessed by Satan. I mean, and this is really, this is just the church parking lot in between the 10 and the 1145 service. I mean, I don't know if y'all have ever been out there. It is like Black Friday sometimes. Y'all, y'all done just been with Jesus and you need to repent before you even get down to Bill Miller's. It is, it's wild. It's wild out there. And And David and I, we have a great marriage. He's the love of my life. But there are times in the car where we struggle. And when I say at times, probably most of the time. And you see, I think it's because I feel as though my spiritual gifting is really just encouragement. And I feel like I need to exercise my gifting of encouragement when my husband is driving. I feel like my encouragements and my suggestions are spirit-led and honestly quite helpful. But my darling husband over there of nearly 11 years sometimes doesn't share the same opinion. And, and in all reality, he's a fabulous driver. I just like to help. I'm just a helper. And I just like to help remind him what he should be doing. I mean, he can legit parallel park an 18-wheeler if needed. But in my perspective, there's two driving styles, cray-cray or grandpa. And so sometimes I just need to help remind him, pick a lane, stay in it. And if you need to know which lane, just ask. I'll let you know. I'll let you know which lane is the best lane. I'll let you know how to avoid traffic. I will let you know it's my spiritual gift. And for some reason, I don't feel like there's this appreciation, you know, but it's my gifting. I'm just trying to exercise it, Jesus. But similarly, we all laugh because we know that it's true. People are crazy. And God's created laws. And just like traffic laws, God's created laws of love that that are there to create boundaries. They're there to create safety. Not just for marriage, I believe that we can look to the Bible as a blueprint of how we can have a successful relationships. So we're going to jump back into 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to walk through it, and we're going to do a little self-check as we go. So I want you to be thinking about the relationships in your life as we walk through it. We're going to read it line by line. I'm going to compare the message version with the NIV, and I won't have time to go through every characteristics, but I do want to highlight a few. So we'll start in verse 4. It says, love is patient. The message version says love never gives up. Love never gives up. I thought about this. I thought about how love never gives up in the toddler years whenever they're crying and whining for literally no reason. And you think you get out of it and then you enter the teenage years when you ask one question and love is never gives up during the times where you ask one question and their response is a grunt or an eye roll for literally no reason. Or maybe it's that love never gives up in the preteen years when they just smell funny and you don't really know why they smell funny, but they smell really bad. And you're just persistent and patient with it because you know eventually it'll come around. Love is patient when your spouse isn't a morning person, but you are. Love is patient when, and it never gives up on a friendship because of a misunderstanding. Love is patient when your spouse is having a bad day and you choose to believe the best in them. Love never gives up. It never quits. It's patient in every season. Let's continue. Love cares more for others than for self. The NIV says love is kind. Love cares more for others than it does for self. And if that isn't the perfect definition of parenthood, I'm not sure what is. I was thinking about different 
uh, different definitions of parenthood. And the first thing that came to my mind is also cooking food that no one will eat. But, but I just stuck with loving and caring for others more than you do for yourself. And mamas, have you ever been there when you look at your little 7 pounds, 11 ounces, 21 inches long, and we fast-forwarded two years later, and you're looking at them, and they're acting just a hot mess. And you can't understand why your little bundle of joy sent down from heaven is losing their mind. And you're looking at them, and you think, I would walk through fire for you. It's true. I would walk through fire for you. I would, ta- I would gladly take a bullet for you. But if you scream at me one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. And that's where we find ourselves, and we've all been there. We've all had those days where we're counting down the minutes and we're counting down the hours. We're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's almost 7 o'clock because that's bedtime. And we've been there. And you know what happens? This is what happens to me. They go to sleep, and then it's I miss them. Have you ever been there where they go to sleep and you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, and then like 7.15 rolls around and you're like, oh, I kind of miss them. Bedtime rolls around and you realize that tomorrow is a new day and his mercies and strength are new. And you realize that love is truly caring for others more than you care for yourself. It's kind even when it's undeserved. Let's continue. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. The NIV says love doesn't envy. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. I'm just going to say this plain and simple. Stop trying to love what is not yours to love. If he ain't your husband, if he's someone else's, stop trying to love him. If he ain't your wife, if she ain't your wife, stop staring and stop comparing. If you feel like the grass is greener on the other side, I'm just going to invite you to go outside, roll up your sleeves, and put in the work and water your grass. It's much like the grass in San Antonio, we're coming out of winter. And if you haven't tended to the grass throughout the winter, if you haven't been fertilizing it, if you haven't been treating it, if you go out to your backyard, it will look like a jungle. But I guarantee you that that grass is not dead, it is dormant. And God is saying to some people in this place, your relationships aren't dead, they're dormant. What they need is time, what they need is attention. But you're not going to find your grass coming back to life by walking over to someone else's grass and tending to that. That's not yours. The Bible says that love doesn't want what is not theirs. And so I just want to invite you that there may be areas in your relationship that you've neglected all winter long. There may be some areas of hurt and resentment that are overgrown that they need some extra attention, but the grass isn't dead. God is calling some people to recognize that your grass is not dead, that you need to put some fertilizer on that grass. You need to remind yourself why you married them in the first place. You just need to water your own grass. So let's keep going. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't boast. Love doesn't have a swelled head. The NIV says it's not proud. We're going to continue into verse 5. Love doesn't force itself on others. It also says it does no dishonor to others. It isn't always me first. The NIV says it's not self-seeking. And this is something that I I, I think very, very large of is, is that in marriage, you can't be selfish. In relationships in general, it doesn't have to be in marriage. In relationships in general, it can't be selfish. And people have asked us before, how do y'all do it? If you, if, if you aren't aware, David and I both work here on staff at the church. So we ride to work together. We work all day together. We ride home together. We live in the same home. We have the same schedule. We're literally together almost 24-7. 
and I love him with all of my heart and vice versa. And we're together 24-7. And I've literally had people ask me, how do y'all do it? Do y'all fight a lot? And I think what we've had to decide is that marriage is about being selfless. And so when people ask, what, what is the biggest trait? What's the secret to marriage? Everyone's going to have their own opinion. But something that's worked for us is I want to care more for him than I care about myself. I want to put him first. I want to serve him and vice versa, him for me. I truly believe that a selfish heart, selfish actions, selfish motives can be the root to a complete utter and devastation when it comes to marriage. I want to encourage you tonight. Love one another. Serve one another. Find out your spouse's love language and love them the way that they receive love. Learn the art of compromise and realize it can never be all about me. If it's all about me, we'll never be a we. Let's keep going. Love doesn't fly off the handle. It's not easily angered. When I read that, I, I fly off the handle. I laughed. I think that's funny. Um, I, I think about the times, this probably never happens to you guys, but occasionally there are times where we may be having um, a conversation, as we like to call it, or a discussion whatever you want to call it, we fight in, okay? And there comes a moment where you're in the middle of this dialogue and you suddenly realize that you're wrong, but you're already so invested, there's no way you're letting up now. I don't know. This probably never happens to you guys, but this has once or twice, probably more often than none, happens to me where you're here and, and you're in the middle of this thing and I'm like, oh no, he's right oh no, I'm already in this. And so you dig your heels in more. I don't know why we do that, but we do. And so we find ourselves where you're almost looking at the whole, you're looking at the whole situation from like a third party perspective and you can see yourself going crazy. Like you can literally see yourself arguing things that aren't true. Like you are wrong, but you're like, no, nah, I ain't going down. I am not going down without a fight. And you're thinking, what are we going to do? And, and then you find the moment, you get to the pipe-eye moment where you just explode and you fly off the handle. And, and I think about this show that my kids used to watch when they were younger. It's the cutest show. It's called Daniel Tiger. And it's on PBS. It's, it's the show about a little tiger and his name is Daniel. He's precious. He wears a cardigan. It's so cute. And they, keep, they teach kids life lessons through song. And so there's this one episode where they're teaching them about anger and how to manage your emotions when you get mad. And so this is the song they said, when you're feeling mad and you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. And then all the little kids are like, one, two, three, four. And it's this powerful moment where you're singing this song and I realize that is not something that we should just be teaching to toddlers. This is a life lesson that we need to carry through. These are those calm down techniques that when you find yourself, you're hovering in this third party perspective and you see yourself, you're digging in your heels and you're like, no, I'm not going down without a fight. There's a moment where you just have to say like, I'm feeling mad. I feel like I'm going to roar. I need to take a deep breath and count to four. I just want to encourage us. We all need to learn that if we would think first and speak second, we would save ourselves a lot of frustration and disappointment. I do want to encourage you, if you can learn to pause before you post, if you can pause before you post on social media, it will save yourself a lot of frustration and disappointment. 
Let's keep going because we're running out of time. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It has no record of wrongs. This reminds me of a screenshot. Do you all ever take screenshots? I take screenshots all the time. It's like proof. And then you circle it with the little marker and you send it back like, no, boo, I told you. We are going here. And he's like, what are you talking about? You never told me. And I'm like, screenshot, circle, sent it, done. You know, like, I don't know. Have y'all, or is that just me? I'm not sure. But there are times where we take screenshots and then we send it, and I'm just, I don't know about y'all, but I am thankful that God does not take a screenshot of my life sometimes because I do not need him to remind me about my past. I am thankful that those screenshots are under the blood. I am thankful that those screenshots do not tell my story. My story is something of an overcomer. I am a victor. I am no longer required to be accountable for the things that could have been screenshotted. It's under the blood. And so we laugh at screenshots, but I was reminded when I was thinking about it that his mercies really are new every day. Ours should be too. Ours should be too in all of our relationships. If God's mercies can be new new every day, so should mine. I can't bring up past pain just to prove a point. I can't punish what's already been forgiven. And like I said, I'm just so thankful that my screenshots are under the blood. If he can forgive we should forgive others. It's an instruction straight from the Bible. Matthew 6, 15 says, if you do not forgive others their sin, your father in heaven, your father will not forgive you of your sins. Luke 6, 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Y'all, the Bible says it. It's not me. The Bible says it. Don't be mad at me. We all need to forgive. I wanna be someone that forgives. It's not always easy. Relationships are complicated. Hashtag the struggle's real, I know, I know relationships can be hard, but I wanna be someone that forgives. I wanna shine the love of Jesus by forgiving quickly. Holding grudges and keeping lists of those who have done you wrong, it's just too much work. Model your behavior after Jesus and let's forgive. Let's keep going. Paul continues to define love by saying, love doesn't revel when others grovel or take pleasure in the flowering, but it takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. And then we get to verse 7, and this is what I want us to read together. Love always protects, always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Out of the entire chapter, the Lord saw it fit out of all the characteristics to say always do these things. Have you ever read it before and you noticed that there were four always? God gave us a blueprint, a roadmap of boundaries regarding love. And there's several do this, do that, don't do this, do that. But God saw it fit to say no matter what, always do this, always protect, always trust, always love, and always persevere. And I started thinking about those four words. I started thinking about the rhythm of those words, the cadence of the, the, even the order that God chose to put them in. I started to think about it. If you always protect, when we protect the ones we love, they're more willing to trust. When you have trust in a relationship, you can go through hard times with hope, knowing that you're facing those circumstances together. When you have hope, you both walk through life hand in hand, going the long distance. And to go the long distance, it takes perseverance. You have to have perseverance because you know that that marriage and relationships, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And marathons aren't easy. There's points during the run where it hurts. 
There's moments during the race that the thought of quitting goes through the mind of each and every participant. But to go the long distance, you have to have tenacity. You need resolve. You need perseverance. I, I laugh and I joke. I tell David, if he ever tried to tell me that he was leaving, I would ask where we're going. Because I understand that marriage, our marriage is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's going to take perseverance. He said always. And when we always love, always trust, always hope, and always persevere, verse 8 says this, love never fails. If you want a love that will never fail, I want to encourage you to follow the roadmap that God's listed. If you're thinking, okay, Pastor Lindsay, that sounds great, that's super, but that's not what my relationships look like. That's not how I treat my kids. And that's certainly not how I treat my husband or my wife. Or you may be thinking, yeah, that sounds great. Wish you were here six months ago because I'm already divorced and I feel as though that ship has sailed. I believe that God has a special word for you today. I believe that God gave me this phrase. It dropped into my spirit and I feel like no matter what you're facing, God is saying this, let's start over. This is something that we do in our house. It's something that David and I do. It's something that we practice with our kids. We say, let's start over. When my kids were toddlers and they were having a meltdown, I would try and validate why they were upset. Then I would encourage them, let's start over. After David and I fight or have a conversation or a discussion, we calm down and we come together and we say, let's start over. After I get impatient with my kids, I react harshly. I look at my kids and I say, mom is still learning. I'm going to try harder. Can we start over? My kids, are seven and a, my kids are seven and eight and a half, and sometimes they come home from school and they've had a rough day. I make them a snack, and it may be three o'clock in the afternoon, and I say, it's not too late. Let's start the day over, and that's what we do. It feels amazing to figure out what's wrong and move on gracefully. It's my favorite thing to do and quite possibly why I love mornings. It's a chance to start over. I want to encourage you right now to take a deep breath and start over. You see, my life isn't perfect. Like I said, we've been married for nearly 11 years. We have an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old. My husband is the greatest man I know, and I love him more than anything in this world. But our marriage isn't perfect. My kids are amazing. They're gorgeous, the most beautiful children in the world. But they're not perfect. But we're willing to try. And I believe that tonight, God is saying, let's start over. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to start over. Maybe there's a conversation that needs to happen where you have a start over moment. We can all have a start over moment. Start over moments aren't limited to marriage. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe you need to start over with a friend. Maybe on the car ride home, you need to look in the rearview mirror. You need to see the faces of your sweet babies and you need to ask for forgiveness. It's not always easy. It's not easy getting down on, on the floor and looking at them in their eyes. It's not easy humbling yourself and starting over. But I believe that that is what God is calling us to do. Maybe you need to get a babysitter and you need to take your spouse to Starbucks and you need to water the grass and you need to have an honest conversation and there needs to be some fertilizer put onto your grass. Maybe there needs to be some attention given and you need to have a start over conversation. Will you stand with me today? I believe that this is something that we can all look at. I believe that we can all have a start over moment. 
whether that's with a friend or a parent, a coworker, whether it's someone that you've been married to for 50 years or you've been married for five days, whatever it is, whatever you're facing, God tonight is saying, my mercies are new and you can have a start over moment. Can we pray? Father, help us. You see us right where we're at. You were able to see through space and time and love us enough to give each of us a start over moment. You sent your son to provide a way of forgiveness. Jesus allows us a start over moment. Because of Jesus, we can have a making new moment. Father, help us love others the way you love them. Help us see others the way you see them. Prompt us throughout our day when we're stepping outside of the boundaries that you've created. Help us to remember that you created marriage and you never intended it for us to be harmed, but that you love us and you gave us a gift and that through marriage, you gave us the gift of children. Help us steward those relationships in a godly way that's pleasing to you and glorifies the name of Jesus. Go with us for the rest of the evening and into our week and help us to remember to put you first in all that we do. We love you. Thank you, God, that you've met us in this place in the name of Jesus. Amen.